You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Aristotle once said that envy is pain at the good fortune of others. Seeing someone with something we want doesn't instill good feelings within us. It breeds resentment and anger, and it can make us act out in unbecoming ways. Roland Rolly Fingers didn't know that he was jealous when he caught a glimpse of Reggie Jackson walking onto the field in 1972. Fingers and Jackson played for the Oakland Athletics baseball team as pitcher and outfielder, respectively. Jackson had arrived at spring training that year sporting a brand new mustache, a blatant act of rebellion against the unwritten policy that forbade players from growing facial hair. When it became clear that Jackson wanted to only stand out apart from the rest of the crowd, Fingers and a few other players thought that they'd play a little prank on him. He and his teammates, like Jim Catfish Hunter, grew their own mustaches too. Now, what they expected was that the A's manager, Dick Williams, would tell everyone to shave them off, including Jackson. Williams was a conservative man who, along with other managers, believed that players should be clean-shaven at all times. Instead, team owner Charlie Finley got wind of what Fingers was doing. He thought the small rebellion would be a great way to draw crowds out to the stadium to see all those mustachioed men playing ball. Finley even offered a $300 incentive for any player sporting a mustache or beard by opening day, which he happily paid after Fingers ran to the mound wearing what would become his trademark look an epic handlebar mustache. And just like that, the pitcher had become a member of the Oakland A's infamous mustache gang. What Finley hadn't counted on was Fingers actually liking his facial hair. Raleigh, like many athletes, was a superstitious fellow. From the first pitch that season, the A's started winning games, so there was no way the mustache was coming off. And as long as they were winning, Williams and Finley didn't care whether their players wore a pencil mustache, a goatee, or a big white beard like Santa Claus. Heck, Finley even grew one himself. Fingers played for the A's for another four years, winning three World Series championships and earning an MVP award. Then he signed with the San Diego Padres, playing from 1977 to 1980, before moving to the Milwaukee Brewers. Sadly, a series of injuries and health setbacks kept Fingers out of his 1983 season with the Brewers, and he needed back surgery to remove a herniated disc the year after that, but he did eventually return to the pitcher's mound, almost as good as new. The Brewers released him in 1985 when he was 39 years old. Now, for most players, that would have been the end of their professional careers, but Fingers still had some fight left in him. Cincinnati Reds manager Pete Rose saw that fight and tried to get him to sign on with him. There was just one catch, a rule that had come from the team's owner, Marge Schott, which every player was forced to obey. 
Schatz's beloved St. Bernard, Schatzi, was the only living thing allowed on the field to have hair anywhere but the top of its head. Any player working for her was required to shave their facial hair if they wanted to put on a Reds uniform. Raleigh Fingers didn't much care for Schatz's rule. By 1982, he'd become the first pitcher to reach 300 saves, and he was just over six years away from being inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yet despite his impressive career, many fans today remember him for just one decision that changed his entire life. Fingers was all set to join the Reds in 1986, but the blanket policy about no facial hair just didn't sit well with him. He got on the phone with the general manager to work out a deal, but unfortunately, Shot wouldn't budge, and if Fingers hoped to play ball, he had to follow the rule. The mustache had to go. Given no other option, Fingers put his foot down. For good. He chose his mustache over his career, officially retiring from professional baseball in 1985. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Just one family was responsible for all 97 lighthouses built along the coast of Scotland between 1790 and 1940. Today, those Scottish lighthouses are automated. The weather-beaten lighthouse keepers were replaced with computers, tungsten bulbs were swapped out for LEDs. It was the process of change that comes for everything from the past, as new minds experiment with past achievements. But it's still a story worth telling, in part because, like many ambitious and important projects, it all started with a tragedy. That's when Robert was just a boy, and his father and uncle had died. They were merchants from Glasgow, and they made their living shipping goods across the Atlantic. On a trip to the island of St. Kitts, though, the two men got sick, 
When they died, they left Robert and his mother at home in Scotland to make do. Life was hard, but Robert eventually met the man who would marry his mother and light his way forward. He was a tinsmith, a skilled mechanic, and, crucially, a lamp maker. And he had just been selected as the engineer for the new Northern Lighthouse Board. So young Robert became engineer's assistant. That meant he had a lot of learning to do. But he took to the rocky crags of the Scottish coast and the calculations of stone and light like no one had expected. He was an excellent assistant— And in just a few short years, he was on the job supervising the construction of lighthouses that his stepfather was designing. Engineering became his trade, too. Maybe Robert thought about the death of his father when he stood on a cliff's edge and looked out over the ocean. The rocks and reefs off Scotland's coast had taken thousands of lives. In one spot east of Dundee, about six ships were wrecked every winter on an underwater shelf of sandstone. It was known as Bell Rock— probably because in the 1300s, a warning bell had been built. But it didn't last, and Robert knew that nothing protected ships in that spot now. People were losing their lives and their livelihoods there every year. Generations of children were being orphaned by the sandstone hazards, so he got to work building his most ambitious project. In fact, the project was so difficult and so expensive that at first the Northern Lighthouse Board thought it was impossible— But when the 64-gun warship HMS York went down on that spot and all 491 members of the crew were lost in the raging breakers, that put the project into motion. They brought on one of the most esteemed engineers of the day, John Rennie, to help with the design while Robert and his building crew tackled the construction work. And it was a heroic challenge, not least because they could only work for a few hours each day, at low tide, before the waters swept in and reminded them that they were building their tower on a watery graveyard. But after four years, the work was done. It's an incredible feat, and it still stands today, the oldest sea-wash tower in existence, built down into the partially submerged reef. It was a kind of wonder of the modern world. It wasn't just lighthouses that Robert engineered, though. Over time, he came to design and build bridges, roads, and railways, too. But it was his inventions of new kinds of lights for lighthouses that earned him the most respect— He even got a medal from the King of the Netherlands for that. And that set the tone for the family. Robert's three sons followed in his footsteps. They became a whole family of engineers. And in the years that followed, from 1790 all the way up to 1940, eight members of the family became engineers, experimented with new technologies, and built the 97 lighthouses that still light the North Sea and the Northern Atlantic. There are a few interesting things about that, though. Not least that the family saw their work first and foremost as a duty to the nation. Rather than taking on patents on their inventions, they offered them to the world without expecting anything in return, without trying to turn their most helpful contributions into a new tide of wealth crashing into their personal coffers. But not everyone in the family was equally ready for the family business. One man, who was named after that original Robert, found that it was the adventure on the high seas and the drama of life and death on the open ocean that set him alight. And in fact, in the years that his family trained him to be an engineer, he learned something altogether different. What I gleaned, I am sure I do not know, he said, but he had already determined to be something else. He loved the art of words, and he said that everything he learned from hardened sailors and genius technicians interested me only as properties for some possible romance or as words to add to my vocabulary. We can be grateful for all of that learning, though. 
The stormy seas and craggy rocks of the Scottish coast became the setting for some of Scottish literature's most beloved stories, when that Robert put his pen to paper. He set tales on Scotland's stormy coasts and engineered plots that would light the way for the coming generations of adventure seekers. With a monumental achievement that rings down through the years like the lighthouse on Bell Rock, it was the second Robert who put the family name in lights, when he invented a crew of wily brigands in the wake of his father's journey to the Caribbean. And Robert Louis Stevenson became known as the author of the most famous story of piracy and adventure in the English language, Treasure Island. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.